Welcome back to the McCann Dogs Podcast, episode 22. And Shannon, the other day, I went to a zoo and (laughs) there was just one animal. It was a dog. Oh, that's quite the zoo. Yeah, it was a shit zoo. (laughs) That was a dog breed. That that, was the only dog breed. It was a shit zoo dog. Is that uh, an instructor Steve joke? Yeah, I think so. It might have been. I don't remember where I heard it. Good but point. in in today's uh, episode, we're going to be talking about the some games that you can do with your dog that really get some of that energy out. And, and I think we we actually talked about this in a recent live stream on our YouTube channel. The fact that we publish a lot of content on that YouTube channel that talks about exercises to do with your dog that don't include walking. And people will say, oh, well, I mean, you have to walk your dog. And we agree. Mm-hmm. But these are the exercises that you can do to supplement your dog walking to get some of that energy out before you go on your dog walk because taking your dog for a walk and training your dog to walk in a loose leash are two totally different things so i think today's episode of the podcast is is a really important one it's almost like a a creative one it's it's an idea uh we want you to come up with some fun ways to do more with your four-legged family member and shannon's come up with some really fun things that you can do um with any age any breed, any level of training. And uh, it's an important uh, step, you know, to think about, um, to think about how to build a stronger relationship with your dog. All of these things will be beneficial. Absolutely. And I mean, life is busy. Sometimes we don't have time to take our dogs for a big, long walk. And sometimes we need to drain more energy than a walk will do for us. So it's important to have different options that we can rely on to help our dogs be engaged and enriched. And there are lots of different things that we can do with our dogs in terms of games and play that will aid their training and that will help with their learning as well. And then there's all sorts of games that our dogs can sort of play on our, on their own that don't necessarily aid your training. And that might actually work against you. So some of these things are going to be great for helping your dog learn different skills and learn to really want to listen to you and learn that you're fun. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's a sort of a buzzword around the dog training, uh, uh, you know, uh, sphere where that the enrichment that says mm-hmm. enrichment. And I think there are different levels of enrichment. And I think all of our enrichment to some degree should include uh, us. You bet. I think it's so important when you have a dog in training. There's a point that we get to with our dog training, with our dogs, I guess their skill level or their level of behavior. I don't know if that's the right word, but but that that um, you can allow your dog more free time, you more bet. time to make their own decisions, do their own things. But when when we're in the training phase, all of our enrichment should include us to some degree. Absolutely. And these, all of these are, are great uh, exercises that we're going to talk about today. So let's jump into it. And I think the first one, which is the, the most simple and the most straightforward and one that the people are that dog owners are, are the most familiar with is trick training. Mm-hmm. Super common and fun. But let's talk about the value of trick training when it comes to your dog training. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of my favorite things in the world to do is train tricks. But there's so much to be said for spending time with your dog, creating a communication system with low stress. And that's low stress on both the human's end and the dog's end. You know, tricks are fun. They're all about enjoyment. They're all about learning. They're all about seeing what the dog comes up with or seeing what we can convince the dog to do that's going to be a cute and fun thing. But the wonderful thing that's happening while tricks are being trained is your dog is learning to read you. 
And likewise, you're learning to read your dog. So you're developing this shared communication through trick training that not only will help your training efforts because they open those lines of communication, they're also going to be a nice mental drain for both you and your dog. It's, it's a nice relaxing activity to sit down and do five to 10 minutes worth of trick training. And you're going to find that the energy that gets drained from a mental training session versus the energy that gets drained from a physical walk are enormously different. When uh, we uh, any dog training, I think, it can be labeled as trick training. It just comes down to the utility of the yeah. skill. But something that um, that people don't recognize is that trick training and skills training is the same process. Yeah. And, and a big part of your trick training com- is about timing and figuring out what kind of reward works for your dog. But um, I, you know, I, uh, I I I strongly suggest that anyone who has a dog in training works on it, has a few go to tricks that they work on. And um, uh, something something that's along the same lines as trick training, but is, has a different approach is shaping. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I know I've found a lot of value in that shaping has taught me so much about my dog training and my dog that I'm training. And I, I think it's important that we point out to people that shaping is, an, is a great way to, to mentally exercise your dog, maybe even better than some of the trick training we just talked about. Oh, it's amazing. Well, and it's one of the methods that you would use in your trick training to create all sorts of behaviors, you know, things that basically shaping is a guessing game. I can, I liken it to the hot and cold game, but we're only telling the dogs when they're hot. We're not telling them when they're cold. So there's no negative to shaping. Basically, we're asking our dogs to guess in that sort of hot style manner where they are moving towards that objective. So eventually they get to this end goal, which might be, you know, picking up toys and putting them away in a toy box. But the beginning stage of that is simply getting the dog to recognize that the toy is part of the equation. So starting to move towards the toy, as an example, would be the first point that you would mark and reward. Then you would ask them to move closer to the toy, then pick it up, then bring it over towards the box, then start to put it in the box. So it might take you five or 10 different training sessions to get that trick trained, but basically you're building on little bits at a time and asking your dog to guess and pointing out when the guess is a little bit more right than that mm-hmm. guess before. And through that, you're going to capture the behaviors that you're looking for from your dog. And with a trick training session, you would basically call it a, a free shaping session. So you could either have a goal in mind that you're going to try to help your dog towards, or you can just let them guess. Sometimes with my own dogs, when they have a lot of energy and I want to drain it, I'll just stand there. I'll grab a handful of their kibble or a handful of cookies and I'll just say, do something. And I'll let them try a bunch of different things. And there's no, not necessarily any structure to it. They're just guessing. And when they get to something that I like, I'll mark it with yes Mm -hmm. and then pay off at that point. And then their brain goes, oh, that was valuable. I liked doing that bow. So now I'm going to try to bow again, and then I might turn that bow into something more elaborate. But basically, little bits at a time is going to get my dog's brain turning, and it's going to drain a lot of that mental energy with the added side benefit of doing some communicating as well. I think a little bit about when I was training uh, Deegan in uh, grade two or three, and we talked a little bit about shaping in that in that class. And um, I, you know, we were we were tasked with coming up with coming back with a fun trick or a fun idea. And um, I'd been watching a lot of uh, cop movies at the time, and I taught her uh, to spread them basically and all that meant for her was to go up against a fence or wall and uh, to to, you know pause up on the thing that's so fun Um, not long after we went to our first dock diving experience and Deegan 
loves water. She's a lab, <laughs> loves the water. But I found that I could take that behavior and rather than asking her for a weight, which was relatively solid, I could have her f- do this spread and behavior at the end of the dock, which would give me time <clears throat> because, you know, she was working on that. I guess it was sort of like compounding the behavior. I could ask her to spread them or wait or whatever. And then I'd go walk to the end of the dock, but her facing away was just a little bit extra incentive uh, for her to not move. Okay. So, um, you know, shaping, you can use, You can, it's funny, I just mentioned utility not long ago, but shaping there's a lot of utility to some of the shaping behaviors that we can create with our dogs it's also oh. if you're an instagrammer if your dog has an instagram <laughs> channel or page or whatever uh you can create some amazing images i know uh instructor carol creates oh my some goodness incredible pictures simply through shaping behaviors with each of her dogs yeah and she does all that without doing any sort of photoshop whatsoever if you've yeah. ever seen any of the bad dog series or the jack series look through our um our facebook page. There's lots of them going back years and they are absolutely spectacular. She is very talented. <laughs> it's, it's really amazing. The other thing I know that she talks a lot about and, and we chat about, you know, whether when we're coming up with some YouTube ideas, I'll often make a suggestion or ask her, you know, is there something fun you want to share with our YouTube audience? And she'll talk about, uh, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, the if you have, uh, if you're looking for inspiration, Instructor Carol is a great person to go to. That's a fact. She, she comes up with all these really abstract ideas. But um, sometimes we'll talk about something like a brain game and some of the things that she's worked on with her dogs. Or maybe it's like a private lesson that she's been working on and she's made a suggestion to a student about brain games. But I think brain games are also a great way to exercise your dog and uh in, in terms of waste, burning off some of that mental energy, and you've got a couple of recommendations for brain games here in this article that you that you'd sent to me. Yeah, absolutely. And these are one of those things that they're just fun. They're fun to watch your dogs figure out. They're fun to play around with your dogs and to start to see um, where your dogs are looking for information, if they're trusting you when you say, uh, as an example, playing a shell game. Yeah. You know, if you put uh, three cups on the table, we all know this shell game that um, everybody gets taken for out on the street in Vegas. <laughs> three card Monty. <Yeah. laughs> don't take your dog to Vegas <laughs> no. for the shell game. Or <laughs> maybe that's the way to win. Ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, So basically, if you have three cups and you put a treat under one cup and then you mix them up, can your dog find it? You know, and this is fun. They start to pick up on the game and they start to they start to understand the rules. Or if you put a piece of food under a cup and you point to the other cup, do they trust you? Mm -hmm. Do they go to the cup with your finger point or do they go to the one that they just saw you put the food under? There's some really interesting experiments several years ago that um, that were running rampant through the internet that did a lot of these things. And I found it very interesting to learn about the dogs. But as a side note, I found that the shell game itself became one of my dog's favorites. And they just absolutely loved waiting for the stop and then trying to make the guess. And of course, most of the time they guessed, right? But interestingly enough, um, Jaden, my my oldest toller, who I've always said was by far the most independent dog that I have ever known, is the only dog that didn't trust me when I pointed to a cup that and said, that's the one with the food, and he knew I was lying. <laughs> the rest of my dogs all trusted me and yeah. bought it. <laughs> I think one of the big parts of brain games is the problem solving, but 
one of the things that sets uh, dog trainers apart. For, you know, someone who has done some dog training, uh, one of the things that sets them apart from the dog trainer or the person who's training the dog that struggles is knowing when to intervene, mm-hmm. when to step in and say, oh, no, that's not quite it, buddy. Here's how you play this game or here's the next step to take. And I think that that's um, that's really important to understand. Uh, you know, you had, um, you'd published a video, we, we, you'd made a video uh, for our YouTube channel not that long ago that had this cool bottle thing where the dogs learned to flip the bottle over and the food would fall oh, out. Do you right, remember right. that? Yes. Yeah. And my neighbor actually put that together. Oh, fantastic. It, yeah. And I watched them. Um, they, you know, I could hear them training in the backyard and I went over and I, I popped by. They would want to see what you guys were up to. And they were showing me the steps that uh, they were working on with their dog to get the, teach the, their dog to flip the bottles over. But knowing when to help your dog out a little bit is, is uh, something that's great for someone to know who's training their dog in a lot of different skills mm-hmm. and brain games is a good way to f- start to figure that out. You know, yeah. when, when do I need to step in? When do I need to help them to be right? Absolutely. And there's, there's, there's a lot of nice points in those games where if you watch the dog's natural tendency, you will learn a lot about them. Some dogs are really worried about guessing and guessing wrong. Some dogs are really keen to just go in and bowl through the whole thing. They don't care about guessing. They don't care about being subtle. You know, I I mean, with my own dogs, as an example, uh, some of the, some of the purchased games that you can get out there that have different moving parts and whatnot. And some of them have, they'll have caps that you can take off and put food underneath and the dog is supposed to learn to knock over the cap in order to get the food underneath. I've had dogs with those type of games that have just sat politely back thinking I'm not going to mess up this thing here. I know I'm not allowed to chew stuff, etc. And then I've had other dogs that basically, Reggie, <laughs> just <laughs> crash through the whole thing in an effort to get the food and it really doesn't matter that there's any thought process to it. So with Reggie as an example, I took some time to actually teach him a calm thought process with that game so that he could play sort of the shell game thing. I actually took the time to teach him how to pick up and move the cover versus mm. with a dog like Ned who is calm and chill and he He's going to use his brain in a much more ready fashion because he's just a much more thoughtful dog. He's not quite as intense and hyper. Um, So uh, uh, Ned, as an example, would go in and figure that out on his own. He would gently nuzzle the cap Mm -hmm. and then smell the treat and then push a little further to knock the cap over. So it gave me such great information as I was working through with different dogs to know what their natural tendencies would be in that situation. If there's a situation where they want something, are they just going to, you know, fly right in or are they going to be thoughtful about it and try to look work through the problem if you were to give someone advice about um what that looks like what it looks like when your dog is struggling with a brain game what what would you say are the common i don't know uh symptoms of of that in dog training yeah i mean i would think that the that the hardest thing with that would be the overactive brain that Mm -hmm. doesn't have the the thoughtful edge to it and with those dogs like i said with reggie Take the time to do an, do a little bit of actual teaching. Show them how to move the parts so that that will create a more thinking brain. Now they will hopefully move into that with the, the thought process of trying to gently find that food rather than just scatter the whole thing all over the place and hope for the best. Yeah. And I think, you know, when you see them do it wrong twice, mm-hmm. maybe that's the time. Like, yeah. oh, you got it wrong twice. Now I'm going to step in. It's that the old baseball thing, three strikes and you're out. You know, we don't want our dogs to struggle for too long with these kinds of things. And, and knowing, um, you, you know, that point when 
before they lose interest because we want mm-hmm. them to be having fun. We want them to enjoy the process of learning and to try some new stuff once in a while. But if they're trying the wrong thing over and over again, it's really counterproductive. Yeah, absolutely. And every dog is going to be a little bit different when it comes to that. So watching your dog, observing, and then figuring out where you need to sort of counteract is going to help you really learn a lot about your dog. And then when you know those details and you go to train a recall, it makes your life so much easier when it comes to training recalls and walking on lead because you know more about your dog totally. and you can you can appeal to the things that they love doing and yeah. you can make yourself more valuable by using that. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. This is the kind of getting into, you know, the, the, the nitty gritty of dog training and it's amazing. Not just simply the act of going through this, these kinds of, uh, these trick training, uh, some of the, uh, shaping, some of the exercises teaches you so much more about you. Yeah, that too. You know, that is an excellent point. Oh, it just makes such a big mm-hmm. difference and it makes you a little bit more self-aware and makes you a better trainer for your dog. Yeah. Actually, you know what? That's a really excellent point because I have like systematically oh, thanks, tried, you're very <laughs> welcome. I have systematically tried to like increase patience and tolerance and to make mm. sure that my dog training career, I would say that's one of the things that I have worked really hard on is keeping any frustration at an even level, because as soon as you show frustration with a dog when you're training, it's a game changer completely mm-hmm. and not yeah. in a good way. Yeah. So if you can keep it, sometimes they are frustrating. Sometimes we're working really hard and it seems like we're banging our head against the wall, but we just need to keep going from that. I mean, yeah. it, it is what it is and you're going to find a way to make it less frustrating, but only if you can see through the frustration. So, One of the other examples of uh, some things exercising your dog's brain without, uh, you know, exercising their body that you talked about was scent discrimination and working mm-hmm. on like some scent games. I had, t- I've taken a couple of seminars with, uh, years ago, uh, in scent discrimination and I uh, scent games and I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was so cool. You know, uh, if you've been listening to our podcast for a while or watched our YouTube channel, you may have seen me doing some sheep herding with my like competitive sheep herding with, uh, my border collies. And I loved that, but there was something so cool about scent discrimination training. There that definitely is. was so remarkable to me. It's not, it's hard to, um, I don't know. Have you, have you worked on that? Have you done that? I have done quite a bit of scent actually through COVID. I ended up doing a lot of scent because it was such an easy thing to do. It's very tiring mentally for dogs very tiring. When they use their nose, they use their entire body. It's called their seeking system. So basically, as soon as their nose starts going, their entire body is getting a workout. And if they're if they're doing a good workout in search, they're going to be tired by the end of that search. It absolutely amazes me when I watch it. And then the aftermath of it, it just boggles my mind. But I love it. It's such a neat thing. And the reason that I love it is because it it shows me so much more about my dog. I got to learn so much more about both Ned and Reggie when I watched them run the show. Right. It's really, Absolutely. it's the only game that I've played where the dog does all the work. The dog runs the show. Basically, I'm just along for the ride, holding yeah. onto the line and then, you know, letting the judge know at the end, yeah, he alerted, he yeah. found the scent. Yeah. So it's up to my dog. And Something that amazed me, this is this is still mind-boggling for me. We were doing a scent, a search in um, an old barn, and there was actually a dead pigeon in the barn. And I have 
bird dogs. Mm. My dogs are very used to going out, finding birds, ducks, pigeons, what have you, picking them up, bringing them back. So my dog literally walked over top of that pigeon and didn't notice it on his way to find the wintergreen scent, right. which is so much less rewarding. But the scent itself, mm. the the work of scenting itself is so reinforcing for dogs. It just, it goes through their whole body, their hunting system, their seeking system, and it satisfies so many urges and it just calms them so nicely. I have yet to find a better way, even quicker than shaping. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think about uh, dogs in terms of access. I mean, it's hard to find um, uh, somewhere to train this and mm-hmm. someone to train with, but uh, it's worth that extra effort. This is something that, I mean, Deegan is 17 years old now. Uh, and it's something that I could do with her tomorrow mm-hmm. because it's not physically challenging. You know, there's not a lot of high impact. Yeah. It's something that you can do with an older dog. It's something you can do with a younger dog. I certainly at a more foundational level, yeah. but it's, a, it's such a great exercise that, uh, that you can do at any age. For sure. And the foundation stuff has to be a little bit different than the sort of polished product because of course, when we have a young dog, we don't want to let them run the show. Yeah. This is definitely contrary to what we want them to do, but we can build their confidence with scent. So we can play little scenting games in the house and we can play short scenting games out in the yard and we can start to build that component of sometimes there is an independent element to your life, but you're still connected and working to me Mm -hmm. or working with me rather. It just becomes, it it becomes another activity to bond through, but I do want to caution people that it's probably not the first one that I would, I would uh, set out to accomplish. I would start with my obedience work. I would start with building that bond and make sure my dog knew to work for me very well first. And then I would start giving him that uh, opportunity to do a little little bit more extensive searching, but definitely the little searches, the small scent games in the house, those are going to be amazing. Maybe you're not, maybe you have a dog that is tons of energy and loves toys. Something like restrained recalls is a remarkably valuable exercise yeah. to work on with your dog. We had a we had a, a puppy in class in um, one of our videos the other day. We were recording maybe a couple weeks ago, and um, she she was just a little wild thing. So we did the video, and then after she had a little bit more energy, so I wanted to do something with her, and we just worked on restraining recalls. First, we started in the in the in the studio, and then we went outside. And uh, I mean, by the end of it, she was so tired. She just went and laid down in her crate. Like we put her inside and put her in her crate, and you know she. We hadn't really done a lot. It's not mm-hmm. like we'd spent an hour exercising this puppy. It was maybe three or four minutes, but high intensity. Yeah. And uh, every time we'd set her up, we'd get her fired up, uh, you know, get her excited. I'd walk, sneak away with the toy, make a big deal of it, and then I'd call her name and she'd run to me. I mean, those kinds of exercises are so great because we only needed maybe 15 feet. 10, maybe 10 feet. Absolutely. And we were able to reinforce the value of her name. Mm-hmm. She was so enthusiastic about uh, tugging on the toy, which is a great relationship builder. I could also work on my out. Mm-hmm. But this is the kind of thing. And, and you know, their owners had said um, that she doesn't really walk well on leash, which they shouldn't really be walking her on leash mm-hmm. right now anyway. But, um, but she's always full of energy. And when the kids get home, you know, she's bouncing around. She's a wild thing. Well, if they had been doing something like um, you know, these restraint recalls with tugging at the end yeah. before the kids got home, that puppy would be a, com- it would be a completely different experience. Yeah. And, and, and full of training. Absolutely. And it's so important to do nice short spurts where the puppy gets good interaction, optimal learning, a nice quick hit uh, in terms of uh, training and understanding and learning and then a rest, you know, or a play session of some sort. So something basically just to break up that 
that training session, give the dog a little or the puppy a little bit of downtime, and then you can do another short training session and you'll have that experience of optimal learning again. It definitely does not serve us well to set out and do a full half an hour or a full hour of training with a young puppy, especially their attention spans are so short. You're best to keep it uh, nice and short and then do some fun, do some play or a little nap too. The other thing I just thought about is fetch. Oftentimes if we have a dog in this, these are usually with start or trained dogs. Certainly I wouldn't uh, play a game of fetch with a dog that wasn't bringing the toy back, but mm-hmm. playing fetch can be a lot of fun as well. But I, I just kind of circle back around. If you have a dog that's not bringing the toy back, then fetch isn't the right game for you. Right. You know, that's not a great opportunity to reinforce leadership and it's not really a great way to, it's it's a great way to teach your dog that they have control of the toy and they don't have to bring it back though. Yeah, exactly. Whenever I'm teaching a retrieve to a young dog and I've had a couple of dogs with natural retrieves, very natural retrieves as as retrievers and I've had a couple of dogs with very limited understanding of retrieve, even though they were retrievers. And, you know, you just, you take what you can get. But I start every single dog, regardless of whether they have a natural retrieve or not, I start them in a tiny space. So it might be my hallway, it might be my bathroom. There's no option other than coming back to me. So Mm. I'm not forced to try to grab my puppy as they run by. They can grab the toy and then I can encourage them to play with me or I can have the toy on a line so that once they grab it, I can just gently guide it in towards me and then we can play. Basically Mm. what I want to be able to do is I want to get that toy in my hand so that I can tug and interact with my puppy and I can build value for interacting with me with that toy. And then by the time I start throwing it, my dog is already just dying to get it back into my hand because yeah. that's where all the value started. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's another great relationship builder and it's mm-hmm. also a great way to, uh, to, to exercise your dog. But I mean, as we mentioned before, like those were, those restraint recalls are a little bit quicker mm-hmm. and you don't need to have a dog that's, you know, has a solid retrieve at that point, but you know, it is, it is a nice way to, you know, add on to your walking. Yeah. You know, if your dog has a little bit more energy or maybe you've had a busy day, the kids are back in school, you know, now they're home from school and you, you need to do something with the puppy or young dog for 10 minutes before mm-hmm. you start to make dinner, then these some of these exercises are a great way to include the kids even Absolutely. You know, in, in what you're doing with the dog. Yeah, and in much more productive ways than right. just running around and then you get into nipping with kids and dogs oh, and yeah. screaming. And unfortunately, it doesn't always go the way you'd like it to. So if you can give them concrete activities to work on, you can direct that behavior and you can help build a really healthy relationship between your kids kids and your dog. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are common questions that uh, come up in some of our uh, online training programs. And uh, just to mention really quickly, if you have a puppy and you're looking for training for dogs under five months, we have our puppy essentials program um, where we can give you a schedule. We can talk about what you're doing on a daily basis. We can watch your videos, answer your questions uh, with professional dog trainers every day in uh, our Facebook group on our Zoom coaching calls. You know, we're you need help. You know, having a puppy can be an overwhelming and challenging process. And we don't want you to feel that way. We want to make sure that you're getting the best information possible so that your puppy and your puppy training is much more enjoyable and much more successful. We also have a life skills program for dogs over five months that offers a lot of those same features as well as, you know, that the, the schedule, weekly videos and uh, coaching when you need it the most, mm-hmm. answers to your daily questions, because there will be questions. Absolutely. But um, if this is your first time on our uh, podcast, I want to make sure that you guys know that we publish content 
podcasts, audio recordings every single week. And we uh, uh, really enjoy this process. I like hanging out and, you know, having these quick conversations about diving a little bit deeper into dog training and hoping to help you guys to, uh, you know, have have more success, have more fun so that you can get out and enjoy your four-legged family member. But if this is your first time here, make sure you hit that follow or subscribe button. On that note, I'm Ken. I'm Shannon. Happy training, guys. Bye for now. Bye, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the McCann Dogs podcast. And if you'd like some more training resources, be sure to check us out on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook at McCann Dogs. And if you'd like to train with us online, be sure to check out the show notes below for our My Dog Can online training program, where we know in just a few weeks, your dog will become a well-behaved family member. Until then, happy training.